I know we have a few here in our own church. Most of us, uh, if it hasn't happened to us, know of people who have become U.S. citizens. Um, This is a picture of one of those ceremonies where people are sworn in. But to do that, you have to go through classes. You have to learn certain things and, in a sense, pass a test. You have to learn about our country. You have to learn some of the history. You have to learn the principles upon which this country is built. You have to learn to speak the language, and you have to learn the laws, how things work here. And if you do all those things, then you can become a citizen. I don't think anyone would say that learning those laws is why somebody becomes a citizen or having those laws. We become a citizen because of the privileges that we enjoy from living in this country. And we learn the laws along the way. That's, in a sense, what Jesus was talking about. Um, Jesus brought good news. We've talked about this before in this church. I think the stereotype a lot of times is we focus on the cross. We focus on his death. Some of those things, some of his teachings. But if you look at the actual teaching of Jesus... And the subject that he chose to spend most of his time on, it was actually the kingdom of God. That's the subject Jesus wanted to talk about all the time. Because that's why, in a sense, he came to be a part of that opening up of the kingdom of God. That God's kingdom was not just in heaven now, it had come down to this flawed, broken earth. And in a sense, the kingdom of God was invading, trying to win back creation. And the good news that Jesus came was this kingdom has now come near to you. In a sense, the doors are open. You now, even though you're imperfect, you've blown it in life, you're a sinner, you're not worthy, the good news is you can still be a citizen of this kingdom. This kingdom of God with all of these rights, these privileges, these blessings, this extra divine power, all of these things that are only reserved for the citizens of this kingdom, we can apply for citizenship and experience all of this. Now, yes, Jesus had to die so that could be possible. And that's why his death is so significant. But he saw his death as a doorway, not the goal. It was a doorway so that all of us could have that citizenship ceremony. So that all of us could be a part of this wonderful new country. With all the privileges that go along with it. And that brings us to the Sermon on the Mount. So what we want to look at this summer in a series of sermons that look at these three chapters in the book of Matthew. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It is the single largest collection of Jesus' teaching in all the Gospels. It's fairly early in his ministry. And in a sense, he is laying out this new kingdom. It's, can we call it citizenship class? 
if you want to be a citizen of this new country and you want to enjoy all these privileges, here's how you live in this new kingdom, this new country. That's why I entitled the sermon series, For a Good Life. I think sometimes we view the Sermon on the Mount as just a new set of rules that we need to live by. Certainly there are guidelines, there are rules, whatever you choose to call them for how to live. But Jesus' point is, this is so that you can experience life in this new kingdom. I always think of that verse in John 10.10 where Jesus says, I've come that you can have life more abundantly. How do we do that? Well, we do it by living in a new way. And when we do that, we get to experience this good life in the kingdom of God. I thought as an analogy of uh, talking about Austria for a second. Um, As many of you know, Peggy and I got to live there for three years as missionaries, and we actually lived in that valley right there. Um, We always felt guilty calling ourselves missionaries because it's not exactly suffering. You know, I grew up thinking of missionaries as dirt floors and eating insects and all kinds of things, and that's not Austria. We fell in love with Austria. I have often told people, those of you who are old enough to know the movie called The Sound of Music, um, they really didn't have to doctor up Austria. That's just the way it is. But the other thing I saw when we lived in Austria is that you can live in this wonderful, beautiful country, and you can miss it. I watched tourists come through and land at the airport, get on a tour bus, travel to a hotel that looked just like an American hotel, look for the closest McDonald's. Now they even have Starbucks. And so you could go to McDonald's and eat your American food, maybe go through one or two museums, go to the mall, and leave and say, wow, that was interesting, I saw Austria. No, you didn't. It was in the living there, it was the getting out and experiencing life as the Austrians experience it, that you began to see just how wonderful this country was. Uh, One of the greatest foods on earth is Wiener Schnitzel. I'm biased. And it's sort of like a pork tenderloin, but just half as thick and four times as big. And they have special seasoning in the breading, and it is just to die for. Well, the greatest Wiener schnitzel in all of Vienna, you have to walk down this little alley where you think you're going to get mugged, and you go down this alley behind the cathedral, and lo and behold is this little hole in the wall that you'd never find if you don't get out and be an Austrian. And when you go there, they will serve you Wiener schnitzel that hangs over all sides of the plate. And it's just wonderful. But you'd never know that if you didn't get out and live like the Austrians do. That's the goal of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is saying, you're in a new kingdom. I want you to experience the beauty of this kingdom. It is a wonderful kingdom. It's God's kingdom. But you got to get out and live in it. Live like a citizen of God's kingdom. If you do, you're going to find out there's a good life here. But to experience that, you got to get out of McDonald's and Starbucks and the mall and live in the kingdom of God the way you were intended to live. 
That's, in a sense, what I call Jesus' first citizenship lesson. As he's going through the Sermon on the Mount, he begins with this concept of saying, it's not going to be like life as you've known it. It's going to be different. He uses this phrase a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, but I tell you. Uh, Just in chapter 5 of the sermon, he uses this six times. It is a concept throughout the sermon. And part of what Jesus is saying is, here's how you've learned to live. Here's how you think it works. But in my kingdom, in this new kingdom, now that you're a citizen of this kingdom of God, it's not that way anymore. And you need to understand there's a new way to do it. There's a new way to see things. There's a new set of priorities. There's a different way of behaving. And if you want to experience this good life, you've got to try it this new way. Now, that's hard for all of us, isn't it? We all tend to like ruts. I, I think that's part of human nature. It's the way I've done it. It's the way I'm comfortable. It's the way I know. It's familiar. It's how I was raised. We all have this pull to keep doing it the way we've always done it. There is a safety and a security there. And that's part of Jesus' challenge. As long as you stay there doing it the old way, guess what? You're going to get the same results. And in a a sense, the tragedy will be you may miss the wonderful experience. Can I go back to Austria? There are McDonald's, I'm sorry to say, frequently in Austria. So you have plenty of opportunity to stay in your comfort zone and do it the old way. A Big Mac. I used to know, you know, when the... I'm dating myself. That old Big Mac commercial, two all-beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onion, especially you've done. I used to be able to do that in German. They did that ad in, in Austria when McDonald's first came. I've forgotten it now. I, I won't try. Okay. But there's a comfort in that. But you'll never, I hope I made you hungry for that Wiener schnitzel. But as long as you stay in McDonald's, you'll never taste the Wiener schnitzel. And that's what Jesus was trying to say. Yeah, there's a comfort in how you've been taught. This is how you were raised. But that's not my kingdom. And you'll miss the good life if you don't break out of that comfort zone and try something new. It'll stretch you. You may have to learn. You may trip and fall because it's new. It's different. But it's worth it in the end. And that's what he tries to drive home, as I said, repeatedly through the sermon. He comes back and says, now here's something else. You've been taught this way, but in my kingdom, this is how we do it. For the good life, this is how you got to live. This is how you need to act. This is how you need to see things. And he repeatedly comes back to that because he knows. He knows our tendency to want to do it the way we've always done it. He knows our tendency to stay in our comfort zone. He says, you'll miss the good life if you don't break out. So that's sort of his first lesson that he tries to drive home. And then he begins to look at some of those, okay, how do we live differently? How do we see things differently? And the first one is he really challenges us. 
And the first time you read this passage we're going to read, you almost say, this is crazy. But it only sounds crazy because we're looking at it the way we've been raised to look at it. And he's going to say there's some things that happen in life, and the way you have been taught is these are terrible things, and if they happen to you, it's too bad. There's nothing good there. Try and get out of those bad situations as quick as you can. And he's saying, that's not the way we see it in our kingdom. In fact, these very things that you might call bad, there's some really good things God wants to do in those bad situations. Don't miss the good that God is trying to teach you by avoiding them. Now, we call them the Beatitudes. They're over in Matthew 5, 3 through 10. If you want to look at them, or if you want to turn there. But I want to do something a little bit different with the Beatitudes. A lot of us, we've seen the Beatitudes a lot. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And so I want to use the message. Uh, I found that the, this paraphrase of the Beatitudes was very refreshing and a good way to sort of unpack each, be- each Beatitude. Before we look at the individual Beatitudes, and there are eight, and Beatitude just means blessed, this beautiful, blessed life. The, the word that Jesus uses there is a wonderful word uh, in, in the New Testament. It, it is a sense that everything is just good. I, and that's why I picked that picture that's in the lower corner of all the slides. If you've ever experienced that sitting on the dock at a cabin in the cool of the evening, there's a nice breeze, low humidity, perfect temperature for you, and no mosquitoes. And it does exist for moments. And you just sort of sit there. There's no phone ringing. You don't have to go to work tomorrow morning. You maybe had a good supper, and you're just sitting there, and, and you just have that feeling... Isn't life great? And you know this may not last, but you just want to capture that moment. You want to put it in a bottle and say, oh. And you just sit there and soak it up. In a sense, all of life is right. That's blessed. That's the biblical concept of blessed. My life is working like it's supposed to work. Now, how does that happen? Interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't say, when good things happen to you, he actually says some pretty bad things. And that in the new kingdom, if you're a citizen of God's kingdom, even in those bad times, bad situations, you can still have that sit on the chair on the dock and say, hey, it's okay. It's okay, life's good. Because you're a citizen of God's kingdom, and we see these circumstances differently. Because we have a different passport now. Okay, let's look at some of these individual ones and work through them. Ooh, small font. Some of you are fine. If you're me, you're in trouble. Okay. The way we normally read it, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here's how the message says it. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. Isn't that an interesting concept? 
Sometimes we have to reach a point where we're out of answers. When we're pretty beaten down because it's at that very moment we realize it's not all about me. And we have to open our lives up to God. And we realize we're blessed not because we're beaten down, but because it's pushed us to open our lives up to God. And we're blessed. Things are okay in our world. The second one, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The message puts it, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. In our mourning, we let God love us. We let God wrap his arms around us. In that grief, in that loss. And in that moment, we find a greater love. And a greater comfort than perhaps even the one we're missing. Because of who it brings us to. The third one is, blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. The message puts it, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. I thought that was a fresh way to put it. I really have what really matters. And it's not the newest purchase, the newest gadget, the newest experience. It's just who I am and who's around me, and that is real wealth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The message says you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. I thought that was a fun way to put it. When we start taking in God. In Sunday school this morning, we were looking at Hebrews 5 and 6. And the writer of Hebrews says in there, there's a problem, folks, because you've just been drinking milk. And you need to move beyond milk and grow and take in some real solid food so that you can really grow and understand what's going on in life and what God is doing and all that's around you. That's what this beatitude is talking about. When we are choosing to take in that kind of food so that we grow, we're blessed in that whole process. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Eugene Peterson puts it, you're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, in the sense of full of caring about others, you find yourselves cared for. When our focus becomes others and how we can help them, whether they deserve it or not, whether they've created their own problem, part of mercy is saying we just care. 
and we come alongside and we're sympathetic and we're helpful and we're forgiving and we're patient. And all of those things, the promise of Jesus is that when we start to live in that way, that's exactly how God treats us. And we receive that kind of care for him. But do you see how upside down all of this is? It's not the way we've been taught to live. But Jesus says, in my kingdom, we're going to do it differently. And that's how you experience the good life. The next one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Peterson says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right then you can see God in the outside world. I thought that was so true. When we have that inside world right with God, we're communicating with Him, we're walking with Him, we're aware of Him, then we go out there in a world that can even be messed up. And yet we see God moving. We know he's out there working. We know we're not alone. And we become very hope-filled because of God being here and at work. Two more. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The message says you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. When we help others find peace. The last one, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The message says you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. As you can see, all eight of those, there really is a different way of living. Not to be miserable, but to experience this good life. Now, as we begin to live this new life in this new way, Jesus issues us a warning as we continue down in the Sermon on the Mount, we want to look at the next two verses, 5, 11, and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think what Jesus is trying to say is that when we get it, when we start living in this new way, we really are different. We're not living like we used to live. We're not living like maybe the others around us at work or even some of our family or our circle of friends. When we're no longer fitting in the old way, sometimes that causes people to be against us. They ridicule us, they oppose us, because we're different. We're not living by their standards, and people usually are afraid of what's different. 
And it may not even just be a fear of being different. It can be our way of living is a challenge to them. Because we're saying you have a choice how you live. There is another way to live, another way to see that circumstance, that situation. And I'm choosing to see that. And sometimes people oppose that. But Jesus says don't be defeated by that. When that opposition comes, when that ridicule comes, because you're different, instead realize it's a confirmation that you're getting it. You're getting it. You're living like that citizen of the new kingdom, like you're now a child of God, and you need to understand that even this opposition is a confirmation that you're doing the right thing. And rejoice in that. Now, as all this is playing out, there's one more thing Jesus says of us that we want to look at today. And that is, in a sense, a request from God that he'd like our help in this time. We're living this new way, and that is a blessing to us. This isn't a sacrifice. This is a win-win situation. We realize we are now a citizen of God's kingdom with the privileges, the rights that go with that, God's help and presence. And we're being blessed by that. And God is loving us. We are now in relationship with our Heavenly Father because we've come home to Him and we're a part of His kingdom. But as that is happening, God says, I want to use you in one other way. As we're doing this, I want to ask for your help. Because God, you see, has a lot of other children who haven't come home, who aren't in his kingdom. They're still in another kingdom, and they're still far from God, and they may never darken a church doorway. They may never own a Bible, let alone read it. They may never hear a sermon or anything like that, and God still wants them to know about this kingdom and that there's a choice and that they can come home to him. And he says, I want to ask you if I can use you to show them. Let's read the next four verses. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, Jesus gives us two challenges there for God to use us. The first one is we need to be real salt. We need to be salty salt. In a sense, he's saying, God has asked you to live a new way. Be that new way. Fight that tendency to fall back and look like everybody else, act like everybody else, see things like everybody else does. If you do that, you're not salty. You're not adding a life-saving flavor to the mix. You need to be salt Show people that new way, that different way to live. Be salty salt. And the second part of the light analogy is 
And don't hide your difference. As you're walking and living this new way, don't try and cover it up. He's not talking about being obnoxious. He's just saying, don't be ashamed to let your light shine. When you face crisis, let people see there's a different way to handle crisis. When you choose priorities, let people see there's a different set of priorities that can be very fulfilling. When you face tough times, let people see there's a way to handle tough times and still smile. Let them see that light. And God says, that's what I need you to do. I need you to be out there living examples, prototypes, pioneers, whatever term you want to use, showing all my children who don't even know about this option, let them see there is a way to be in God's kingdom and experience the kingdom of God now. And that's what God wants us to do for him. That's the win-win for him. That we're willing to be living examples here and now in the midst of this broken world, showing this world there is another kingdom you can be a part of. And it is the greatest kingdom imaginable. With the power of God in me, knowing I'm a child of God, and God's help, and better ways of handling situations, and handling life, and handling myself. And we can have that now. And we need to be showing that to people just as we live it out. See, I don't think the Sermon on the Mount is a better set of rules. It's a new way of living. And that's what I want us to capture as we look through this. I think sometimes as Christians, we tend to see it wrong. Jesus came to die, and that's wonderful news. And I think if you ask a lot of Christians, the kingdom of God, well, that's coming. When we get to heaven, it's going to be a good life. But if you look at what Jesus says, he repeatedly says the kingdom has come here. We can be in the kingdom now. Is it heaven? No, it's not. But we're halfway there. The kingdom came to us. So we can begin now to experience many of the privileges and rights and help and benefits of being in God's kingdom now, here. And later, it just gets better. But it's not something we're waiting for. Jesus says, it's here now. And I want to teach you so you can start even now living the good life in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, first of all, thank you that you were willing to invade this broken, sinful world with your kingdom. And that because of Jesus' death, the doors of that kingdom are open. And we can be in your kingdom now. Not because we deserve it or we've earned it. Because we've accepted Christ as our Savior and Lord. 
and that we can start enjoying the blessings of being a citizen of your kingdom now if we'll learn new ways of living, new ways of seeing things, opening our lives to how you want to work and bless us even in very difficult circumstances. That's part of the blessing of being in your kingdom. In defeat, you can bring victory. In difficulty, you can bring blessing. And for all of that, we thank you today. In your son's name, amen.